Normally, when people are trying to build something, they rely on family connections, money, or formal training to do so. But that isn't really the case for our guest today, Paris Cole. She didn't wait to be trained to do something. She just kind of went out and did it. Currently, Paris co-manages Lucky Day and runs the management company she co-founded, Outliers. In today's conversation, we learn about how Paris went from working in the restaurant business to becoming a stylist, to co-managing Ari Lennox, and then to working with her current artist, Lucky Day, and co-founding Outliers. I hope you guys enjoy this episode, and yeah, let's get into it. Born and raised in Southeast Washington, D.C., um, grew up in like Silver Spring, Maryland, um, also moved back to DC during like middle school and, um, my grandparents, I think like my first real encounter with music was with my grandparents. Um, they would play like a lot of like Christmas music, like Bing Crosby and like Natalie King Cole. And my mom, complete polar opposite, I have like a young mom, would be listening to like Mary J. Blige and Biggie and (laughs) also a lot of go-go music. Um, like honestly, if I'm being truthful about like my real intro into music like was through go-go music like I would always stay in the go-go's um growing up like I would sneak out to like just go see these bands play in like these crazy run down buildings and like just be banging on these drums and like just yeah it was kind of crazy but um yeah my, my family um always listened to music in the house and like in the car and like yeah I just always had a passion for it so when you were growing up, did you always think you were going to work in music or did that, is that something that came to you later on? Um, I don't know. I, you know, when I think about growing up, I always wanted to be like an artist, like an actual like painter artist. Mm-hmm. And I also wanted to um, like be a teacher. And it's funny, like when I did go to college, I went to a community college um, in Rockville, Maryland called Montgomery College. Mm-hmm. And um, I was studying like English and philosophy and actually trying to be a teacher at one point um and it wasn't really until I started like working in the clubs and like kind of just being around music more and just like being on the scene is when I like kind of like delved into like oh I could actually do something in music Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. so speaking you know how you were just mentioning working at clubs and things like that I did want to talk a little bit about what you were doing before you got into music because you were in the restaurant business a little bit before right Mm -hmm. yeah I was actually um so in like 2015, 2016, um, I moved to DC. Um, I was working with this DJ at the time. Um, his name was Alize, and he kind of like really broke me into like the DC music culture there. Cause there was like, we were doing like a radio show across the street from Howard University. He was yeah. DJing the clubs. Um, and through that, we met um, another friend of ours who was opening up a recording studio. And his dad, who actually ended up being my boss, Jeff Dawson, was the owner of like 25 bars and restaurants in DC. And yeah. so at the simultaneously like figuring out like the music scene there with like the recording studio that um, his son was building, my friend Zach was building, and then also just like working in like the bar, restaurant, event space, everything was like emerging together. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, I was working for his dad and doing like, I was his assistant. Um, I was doing like creative direction for the restaurant group called Tin Shop. Um, and through that, I opened like seven bars and restaurants um, in like two years. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. It was such a cool experience. Like that was where I really knew I wanted to be like an entrepreneur and like 
know what it means to like have businesses that are working for themselves, like working themselves while you're sleeping and like just and like also uplifting like you know chefs and bartenders and restaurateurs like it was really cool to be in that world before I like just transition all the way into music um but yeah that was my background events and like yeah. brand partnerships and like yeah throwing cool parties I throw so many cool parties in DC um so yeah yeah a lot of drunken nights it was cool <laughs> there's a lot of cool artists in DMV area DMV's oh. got like something cool for sure so many. I mean, at the time, you know, Wale was obviously one of the bigger names from the city, yeah. but like Goldlink, Brett Baez, Caliucci's from Virginia, yeah. um, Logic. We nasty, right? Rico Nasty's from there, is she? Rico Nasty, yep. Yeah. She's from Maryland. Um, like, there's just so many dope artists from there that are like, honestly, like creating their own lanes. Like, it's really cool because, you know, DMV is like, they're it's so close, you know, yeah. you can get to DC to Virginia and Maryland within like 10, 20 minutes of each other. Mm -hmm. Well, the music scene you say there was really connected, right? I'm from Atlanta. So like in Atlanta, the music scene's really connected. Would you yeah. say more in DMV? Like everyone's kind of intertwined and everyone knows one another? I think everyone is familiar with one another. I don't know if there is like a community yeah. per se. Like I feel like the one thing that Atlanta has that like I always loved about it so much is like they show so much love to the newer artists on on radio. And yeah. not to say that DC radio does it. It's just like it creates an ecosystem, right? So like if you notice a lot of like the bigger artists that come from those like DC, Maryland, Virginia, they actually end up leaving. Um, there are some that stay, but it's like, you almost have to like go out into the world and come back into, to your hometown and like, you know, kind of show that you've made it outside of, you know, just the small 10 by 10 radius. Like yeah. you kind of have to go and spread your wings a little bit to like really be in the industry and, and become of the industry, I think. Um, but there are also a lot of artists that are able to stay and like, like when I think of certain bands and how Google bands have been able to like create their livings off of just like, just staying in DC and like still throwing shows, still throwing bogos, like that's like, that's super powerful too. Like yeah. that is the thing that I think makes DC's like music scene so unique. It's like this underground scene that like only locals and like natives know about. Yeah, it, it's that's really cool. cool. Yeah, it's so cool, super cool. So what also, what year is it that you're meeting DJ Alizé and starting to get into the restaurant thing? What year is that? So this is maybe like 2000, 13, 2014. 2013. Um, enough. Yeah. Close enough. Yeah, um, I was like 19, 20 at the time, like still in college. I was working at a dental office in Silver yes. Spring. Yeah, called Fenton Family Dental. And I was working at the front desk. And um it's funny because I ended up leaving that job and actually honestly getting fired from that job. Really? And, yeah, I got fired. What? I got fired. <laughs> um, it was really silly. It, honestly, I had a really bad, poor attitude. I worked for this awesome um, African-American dentist who was killing it. I mean, like crushing it. He had his own practice. Yeah. And um, I was taking online courses at the time. And like I had keys to the place. And it's kind of funny I'm staring this, but um, <laughs> okay. I remember I was taking a test during my shift. And he wanted to shut down the practice. I was like, oh, I was like, I'll shut it down. Like, don't worry. Like, I'll like close the business. Like, please let me finish. And he's like, no, like everyone needs to leave. And I had a bad attitude, girl. I had oh my a bad attitude. 
And next thing I know, he just wanted to, you know, make changes, which I totally understood. But it was such a blessing in disguise because that's what led me to like, just kind of like actually fully move into DC. I'd like <laughs> dropped out of school for a little bit. Yeah. And I started just working in the club scene and figuring out things with Alizé and like, mm -hmm. we were just doing our own thing. Um, he was super tapped in. I mean, he's like a legend from the area and like, yeah. he's taught me everything I know about like hip hop, but like, we were really creating like a cool mo like movement um, yeah. at the time. And yeah, everything just one thing just led to another, like events, the, the traveling to New York, the um, parties, the, the content we were making, like it was just, yeah, things were just kind of moving. And now I'm here in California, <laughs> I guess. So, yeah, no, that's totally cool. It's so, it's always so interesting to hear people's backstories because they're all so different. You know, yeah. some, people are, some people are like, I immediately knew I wanted to work in music. Some people are like, you know, I worked like a banking job and yeah. then randomly it's all different. But so 2014, around 2014, you know, you meet DJ Alize, you guys hit it off. So how, how did you really decide, you know, since you were doing the restaurant thing, you were obviously doing really, really well at it. How did you decide that you wanted to go fully into music like how did that transition process happen um i mean everything was going hand in hand right so like mm -hmm. i was still able to like perfect example like one of the bars that we opened was um this new orleans star bar called big chief and we partnered with um broccoli city fest and it was like beast by dre and reebok and we like did this event called digging through the crates and <clears throat> Basically, we would have Alize set up in like the middle of the full room, basically, and crates set up with like different vinyl of all kinds of artists. Like you can bring your own vinyl, and like we brought it in our own vinyl, and it kind of created this like moment for me where it was like there was such such like a bigger thing that's happened to like culturally, and like I felt like for the first time like that was the one event that made me like inspired to just like stay in that world. Like as much as I love bar restaurant world like that event that we were throwing at the time was just like the thing that like I was passionate about. We actually ended up doing one in New York, um, which was really cool. And, and I was also like super tapped into the New York scene. Like I was freaking hanging out in bars and like going so to how shows. So did you just visit New York often? Like how were you tapped in? So I would hop on the $20 Chinatown bus <laughs> right in Gallery Place. And it takes four hours to get to New York. So sometimes I would like work all day, get on the bus at like three or four o'clock, be in New York by seven, be in the scene by like nine, midnight. Sometimes you can come back to DC or just stay in New York for like the weekend. But like, I have friends that just like, let me crash on their couches and I would just hang out like different bars and like shows. And like my friend Eddie was in New York and he's, um, he's Mary J. Blige's a &R, but he was kind of tapped in and we just were just hanging. Like now that I really think about it and say it out loud, like I was just everywhere. I was at shows, I was at festivals, I was at concerts, I was creating things and creating like this world around me. And also just, you know, learning by just like being around the studios. Like um, Mac Wilds was one of the first persons I've ever worked with in music. He came by the studio in DC and we ended up being in New York and shooting music video and, at that time I met Davies, so I was in the studio with him and like, it was just like, things were just like, I was just meeting people and like, yes. I'm so thankful to like be around and like, all, there's also a lot of producers that like took me under their wing, like Sean C and LV, I don't know if you're familiar with them, but like, 
man, they've let me come into like different studio sessions and Cootie and Chike who started Creative Control. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but like those were my superheroes. Like those were the directors that made some of my favorite videos and like I randomly meet them at this show and we've been friends since. So it was like, I think a lot of like my story has to do with just the way I've been able to like really tap in and like create meaningful relationships. Like I have amazing friends that have introduced me to amazing people and have invited me to amazing places that's just like led to one thing after the next so yeah it's kind of like when it's a whirlwind but like yeah it's, no it's yeah for sure i mean it sounds like you were just everywhere and that I really was, helped you to build those connections and figure out how to do shit because you're like yeah. have a million people showing you all these things that's yeah. awesome so yeah. somewhere along the way you're 2014 you know, doing your thing, like going in the studio, learning a bunch of stuff. And then somewhere along the way, you meet Ari, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, and you start to manage her, although you started off as a stylist, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. So how, that, how do you two meet and how does that connection happen? How did you guys realize that you, you even wanted to work together? Um. Okay, how do we meet? The first time I heard Ari's voice was from my good friend. His name is Steven Bayou, Stevie, aka Stevie. Um, we were at the studio in DC and he plays me this song and I'm like, yo, her voice is amazing. Mm -hmm. I was like, who is this? She's like, it's like this girl, Ari Lennox. She's like, she just shot this video at Howard. And I was like, oh, she's dope. Um, and then the studio I was working with at the time actually ended up shooting a video for her. And I wasn't a part of that project. So it was like, I would see her in passing. And I was like, I just always just said, hey, like I was like other only girl around. So, you know, we, I like saw her More energy female energy for I sure. go to New York once because they're like shooting content behind the scenes content for her she's opening for teacher Moses at SOBs and this is like 2016 now 2016 to 2017 mm -hmm. um I meet Justin her manager Justin's been with her from like the beginning um and this you should talk to him too because how they met is like a whole nother backstory um and yeah so I would just see her in passing it wasn't nothing like we weren't clicked up yet um but fast forward a few months later she's performing at Trelectro and Stevie calls me he's like yo Ari's opening at Trelectro like she might need something to wear like can you help her and I was like yeah sure I was like I really don't know what to do I like tell her to meet me at Buffalo Exchange on um 14th and like T Street which is like right in like downtown area and we met up and we tried on clothes and we found some boots we found her at Bustier we found her this like army fatigue jacket and she was good to go. So like, yeah, I pulled up on her at the Trelectro show and we kind of clicked and she had a couple of shows after and Justin would call me and be like, yo, like you should come around and help out. And um, the thing that solidified it was, I think when she was gonna go on tour for drum, um, mm -hmm. she was opening with River Tiber and Justin was like, look, man, like I think you've, add a yin to my yang and because Justin's super business savvy like super mm -hmm. marketing like strategic planner like Justin all day I'm like the creative side I pay attention to like the things that like women need too like you know yeah. she needs makeup she needs time to get ready she needs like we need to figure out what she's wearing um and I, it was just like a perfect mix and yeah he just invited me to come on tour and like I went on that tour and that was like, I think the first experience where we got to like really know each other. And um, yeah, things were picking up and we just, yeah, Justin asked me to come on board and, and co-manage and Ari was cool with it. And Ari and I 
we're building a relationship and it's just it was one of those things where like the synergy was just there and things yeah. were happening like it was just like one thing after the next like this is yeah. so amazing to me because you know she comes or maybe not her directly but she needs helping style for something mm -hmm. you have a background in style at mm -hmm. all and then someone's like hey can you do it and you're like yeah absolutely and it just yeah. i mean how did you were you nervous to do that how did you know what to do you were just like i'm just gonna do it bro like i remember one time because ari's also super chill like yeah. and that's why I, I like think her and i also mesh because like sometimes we are casual like just like you know white beater flannel t-shirt yes. and i remember one time she wanted she had a show um there was this christmas show it was like a local show for um this uh what was it called slizzertrism it's this <laughs> artist called Roz Nebu. he throws this like cool christmas uh party every year and Ari performed and she wanted to just wear a t-shirt in these camo pants and I remember I was like oh like I feel like I could do better so it's fine um but it made me like take it seriously because it was like dang I have to like think about it now yeah and I think that was like the spark in what I was like oh like I need to do some research I need to like go find things in advance I need to go on Pinterest and start putting things together and also hear what she likes um like at the time she wasn't really trying to do too much she was like graphic. She's like graphic tees and jeans, P, like we're good. Then it was like bustier and jeans. And then it became like dresses and skirts. And then it became jackets. And then it became, you know, like it evolved. Um, mm -hmm. So it was cool to like see like where we actually really started from, where we were like thrifting, exchanging clothes, yeah. like, like running to the store and buying stuff at Urban and like figuring it out. So you, you also mentioned how at the time, Another reason that, you know, you and Ari potentially are potentially another reason you clicked was because, you know, you were only, you're the only other woman around her pretty much. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I guess I just, I want you to talk a little bit about that. Was that intimidating for you? Um, I think I definitely felt like there was two levels. There was like one side of me where I was like, dang, I, I have to be, I got to be like this girl's rock, you know, because yeah. there is in the music industry and in the music business in general it's just super it's a lot of guys like dreamville is a, a bunch of guys you know um justin is a guy manager you know there are things that i'm gonna understand that he may not um so i feel like there was that side of it just with her like my role and and what that meant to be her number two and then also um prove myself you know i gotta like yeah so like i'm worth the position to be around and contribute to her growth you know what i mean like it's it definitely it, i felt like it was a responsibility like i have to care about the job and the in the space that i was in to make sure like they knew that she was you know had a team that like supported her and like was helping her you know get the things that she wanted and just develop into who she's become now you know i think that's like a huge responsibility and i knew that like i had to prove myself for sure yeah and then you also you know brought up how even when you were learning you know and you were like in the studios and stuff it was like a lot of guys you're pretty much the only girl around yeah. so do you feel like because of that you would get you know kind of side swept a lot or something like that do you feel like it was difficult for you to be taken seriously uh, absolutely yeah especially being young and like people honestly not knowing who you are you know like i said at that time and at that moment like my background was more in bar and restaurant world you know like those were my that was what i was doing uh, for a living um but something i was also super passionate about too so i was really like 
torn between like, do I stay in this world that I know and I'm excelling in, or do I like jump to this other side of things where it was like, I kind of just had to like put on my boots and just figure it out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's, yeah. Looking back on it, like I'm so thankful for those experiences because it was like, I didn't really have anyone to guide me. I just had to like trust myself and like trust the energy is of everything going on and just go for it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so eventually you, you know, it's 2015, around 2015, you meet Ari, you start to get more involved on the management side mm -hmm. and then you move to LA. So how did, I mean, how did you decide to do that? Was that something that just you felt like natural was the next step? Was that something that was scary for you? I mean, were there a, a lot of fears going into that move? Yeah, I think I was at also a crossroad because I was also getting offers to work for other um, restaurant groups um, mm -hmm. and a hotel group specifically, a really cool one. Like I flew out to LA to interview for it and I was just like, dang, like this could be a whole cool life too. Because there's also not a lot of young black females in that space either. For like, sure, yeah. In the restaurant tour space um, and even just chefs in general, like I was really one of like the few young people that was involved with that, like kind of emerging scene in DC. And I really wanted to be a part of that. Um, but I think the major leap for me was obviously going on tour with Ari and then also just knowing like my heart is always just in music and just kind of being free. And in the restaurant space, it's like, you have to be committed. You have to go to the restaurants every day. You got to check in with your managers. You got to, you know, there's, there's things to meet. There's money that's constantly flowing in and out. And I just felt like it was time for me to just evolve and take the leap of faith. My mom told me to quit. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, fine, I'm out. <laughs> my mom sat there and she's probably going to kill me for saying this, but she sat there with me and wrote my, um, I put up my two weeks with the restaurant group and things were changing as well with them too. Like, it, this owning in like restaurants and, and businesses, like, you know, the economy is always changing and that's just like, even just everything was fluctuating. Yeah. I think in DC as well. And um, yeah, it was just time for me to, to move and yeah, I just like packed up my car. And, and so I met Natalie in like 2016, 2017, when I was coming out here with um, Alizé at the time, like uh, my friend Eddie, was like, yo, P, I'm not in LA, but you got me with Natalie. Yeah. And I was like, all right. Natalie co-founded Outliers with you, correct? Yes. Okay, yes. just to make sure clarified, but yeah, yep. continue. Yeah, so Natalie and I always had a chat. Like when we first met, it was like a blind date. Like we always say it was a blind date because we just didn't know each other and we just clicked. Like yeah. she was managing um, producers and songwriters at the time and was also opening up a restaurant with her former, um, uh, partner and like she was just like doing it and I was just so inspired by her and we always kept in touch um when she came to DC she would stay with me when I came out to LA I would pull up on her and um yeah when I decided to quit I called her and she was like P just come out here like you just need to move out here yeah and I was broke <laughs> I mean, girl broke girl so broke and Eddie opened up his doors to me and I slept on his couch for a while and I would bounce between here and Natalie's couch. Um, and she would like also really invested her time into like encouraging me to like, just come out here and like be in this. Um, and she was figuring it out too. She was had, you know, she's been managing songwriters and producers for over, you know, 10 years and just had so much experience and so much knowledge and 
So when she was like, just help me with what I have going on, I was like, duh, I'm like, of course. Yeah, 100%. Um, so, I mean, yeah. so when you're, you're moving here, I mean, you're really taking a leap of faith. Like you just said, you had no money. You're like, your friends are like, you know, Natalie's like, come out here. Your mom's like, I think it's time for you. So you have the push from the people you love. Have the push. Like, Everyone was cool with it. Everyone yeah. was like, go pee. Like, yeah. this is the moment. Go for it, girl. But so in that moment, I mean, looking back now, obviously it all worked out beautifully, but at that time, you know, you couldn't have been sure. So how were you able to really deal with any kind of stress, you know, negativity or uncertainty that came along with that? Um, God, God, I have, um, I feel like California was special to me because I feel like this was a place I got, I can get centered and quiet. I love New York. I love DC. I love where I'm from. Um, but it was also kind of like my kryptonite because it was like every everything was just fun and easy. Um, I think out here I was able to get a little bit more quiet and a little bit more intentional. And I knew that things were going to be okay because, you know, I read a lot. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to a lot of podcasts too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when I was at my like brokest of broke, and I mean like financially, my spirit was the strongest. Mm -hmm. um, like I had so much, so much encouragement from my friends and like, I would go on walks and just like breathe and think. And like, it was just like this patience that like gave me solitude. Yeah. That no, like things are going to be okay. That's so funny. You say that because for me, it's, it's almost the opposite. Like for me, New York, I mean, I live in New York now. Now I'm at my family's house cause Corona, yeah. but, um, I live in New York and one of the reasons I like living there now is because I, I have so much drive when I'm there mm -hmm. as opposed oh, yeah. to going somewhere else and I, where I'm like chilling out, I'm not focused. You know, I'm not someone that necessarily naturally has drive. I need to be around people who sure. are motivating me as well. Yeah. Uh, and I have that in New York. And when I go other places, I don't have that. But for you, it's the opposite. You were in New York and you're like, oh, this is fun for me. But in LA, you can focus and settle. Yeah, I New York is fun. My favorite place. I mean, hands down, New York yeah. has my heart. DC too. Um, it's just, it's just the lifestyle is just a little bit different. And I think, mm -hmm. um, for where I was trying to go, I just needed to just kind of be away from that too. Like I literally just came out here, and and Natalie and Eddie and, um, you know, they've been my support system through all of this transition. Um. And then they're along the way of us achieving cool shit too, you know. Like yeah. it's just really cool. Like, like we're doing this together. So, yeah. So you moved to LA, and then from there, how did you meet Lucky Day? Okay, um, moved to LA. And how do you guys connect as well? How did what? How do you are? Let me let me rephrase that. So obviously, how do you meet with Lucky Day? Uh -huh. And then how did? You know, I guess you wanted to work with him is what I was oh. trying to ask. Okay, so Natalie was um, at the time like, we need to go visit D Mile. And I'm like, okay, let's go visit this guy. But to me, it felt like even his name was like an urban like myth to me. I was like, D Mile, cool. Um, we go there and he plays um, the first song I ever heard was Real Games. I don't know. Do you know how Real Games is? It's like cute. It's like it's a huge sounding song, and I just remember Natalie and I looked at each other like, "What? Like what was that?" And um, Lucky at the time was 
I mean, he had all the music that we heard was just like unbelievable. Like I honestly, I remember like, I'll never actually probably forget that day. Cause it was like, I felt like my life was about to change. Like when I heard. Is this in 2017? It's like Still? 20, this is probably like 20. Yeah, it's like 2017, 2018, 2017, 2018. Okay. Um, and I was just so impressed and she was so impressed. And, and Natalie actually had managed him previously. And um, she was like, we gotta meet with him. So one day we actually meet at Nat's Diner. It's called Nat's Diner. It's in uh, in the Valley, not too far from us. And we sat down and met with Lucky and he was so sweet. Um, really like, yeah. just like kind of quiet. I remember he's wearing like a black hoodie and like had his hood on. Um, you know, he's been a songwriter for quite some time and I could just feel in his spirit, like he just has something and the music was so unbelievable. And obviously for me, I was just like, to me, the way I was looking at it, I was like, whatever I can do to help. Um, and Nat yeah. just kind of like had the foresight to like really put the pieces together. Like she really was the visionary when it came to like figuring out, you know, who he, he should sign with, who needed to hear the music. Um, just like, even just with working with D mile and just the infrastructure of the co compilation, like they just, she just really took charge and like, um, next thing you know, we're in the studio and she's playing the music for Tunji and there it was. There it was. So it sounds like, you know, when you're talking about this, you had a really great team around you of people helping to build Ari as well as Lucky when you got deeper into doing Lucky Day's career. Yeah. So how did you, what kind of people do you like to work with? And how do you find that team? What do you think the key to a successful team is? Mm, that's interesting. Um, I look at Natalie like my sister. Yeah. Um, she's literally been like a mentor, a friend. And I feel like to me, that's what makes us so strong. Like that's what makes our team so strong. And I think about how we met, like Eddie Forcell is literally one of my closest, goofiest friends. And, you know, the fact that I met through one of like my purest friends and then I'm, I'm meeting her, it just like the synergy was just, it was so real. And even when I think about, you know, even her introducing me to D mile and then, bringing me into Lucky and reintroducing me to like, you know, a lot of her people and her friends, it's just been a tribe. Like, I know yeah. a lot of times people will be like, oh, LA is so big, but it's just like, when you find your tribe of like, just good energy and good spirited people, like things really just like happen. Yeah. Um, so I think really for me, it's just like energy and just having that kind of like family kindred spirit. Um, like Justin and I are like brother and sister, you know, yeah. <laughs> you get some of my nerves, you know, yeah. there's times where Ari and I argue, that's like my sister, but it's just like, you know, and I think a lot of times in business, they, you know, they say like, you're not supposed to go into business with your friends. You're not supposed to do business with yeah. your partners. Um, and, and to some degrees I can understand why, because sometimes lines can get blurred, but I think sometimes that's what also makes the relationship so powerful. Cause it's like when you are working with someone that, you know, you trust, you understand, like it, like, it's just a synergy there. Yeah. yeah so like you can someone else just we're all exactly. Okay, that's super interesting. No, you're right because most people do advise against you know being business partners with friends. Yeah. But in your case, and I think in some people's cases, if you know you have that really core foundation, yeah. it does end up working out for the better because you all legitimately care about each other and you all care about the same end goal in a way. Right. Right. Like we all got each other's backs. Like no matter what, through the ups yeah. and the downs, it's like I got your back. Like. 
whatever you want to do. So looking back now on your career this far, do you think there's anything you would have changed? It's less drunken nights. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, I'm just kidding. Those are the best ones. Um, Anything I would, I don't know. I wouldn't change anything. I don't regret one moment. I don't. I really don't. Even the bad times, even the hard stuff, even like, you know, some of those days were just such like big lessons for me. Like I always say like lessons and blessings, like literally like my biggest moments of like self-realization or like my biggest days of like just having like real unwavering faith that things are going to be okay. We're on some of like my worst days, like my saddest days personally. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, I think everyone has to go through it. Like everyone is just going to have those ups and downs. It's just For like, sure. Yeah. And have you seen, do you think you've seen the industry evolve a lot since you first started? Has there been a lot of changes that you've noticed? Oh yeah. I think, um, I think yes, for sure. Especially during this coronavirus um, oh, yeah. <laughs> time period, things are really interesting and things are shifting and um, the way we consume music and create content and consume content, I think is evolving. And um, I think positions are changing um, within the industry. Um, a lot of things are just shifting. Like I feel like the world is just in a big shift right now. Um, That's very true, yeah. I was, um... I was talking to someone, uh, like someone I work with, and they were bringing up how they think that after this whole Corona thing is over, the way people are going to want to consume and the type of music they're going to want to listen to will change a little bit. So basically he was just saying, it will be interesting to see like who the next breakout star is after this. And if it's going to be a switch up from what we are looking at now or what's going on pretty much. Yeah. I'm, that makes sense. Cause I think also, I think there's also an awakening happening with people. Mm-hmm. And I think um, there's just that it, that's going to come out in the music too. And I think that's going to like, ch- you're right. Change the way we think about like what we're actually listening to, what we like, what we don't like. Um, so that's really cool. That's interesting. Yeah. So going back on, you know, from just, you know, listening to a bunch of go-go music to then working in bars and restaurants and then progressing, how, I mean, you didn't, you didn't have most, or a lot of people, I'm trying to think of how to say this. A lot of people that we talk to on this show, and another reason I think it's really interesting to talk to you is because they have more of a basic, basic like building block way of getting into music. So maybe they'll go to college and they'll do one or two internships and then some form of a mentor. And then that's how they work their way up. But for you, you really just kind of, I don't, I mean, you had mentors, but you really were going your own path, you know, it wasn't traditional at all. And so because of that, do you think that there's any really big challenge that you had to face in order to become successful? Or do you think there's just a general challenge that you see as something really big in the music industry? Like I was, it's funny because it's like, I do all these like different panels and things, right? And people come up to me after they're like, oh my God, like I would love to connect and like be your, like, like, be my mentor and like, I'll, and like learn from you. And like, that'll be the foot in the industry. And I, and I just, that is one way. I just don't think that there's one way. I think my story is just like one of many stories and you're right. Traditionally, the easiest way is to not the easiest, but you know, the quickest way is to work in a building, work in a label or work under an executive or work under a group of people that's going to 
actually have you around it. I think for me, I've just been on the outer skirts of it. So I've touched the artists, I'm at the shows, I'm with the fans, I'm with the merch people. You know what I mean? Like, I think that was just my path, but I wouldn't change that because I just got to see everything from an outside, you know, glass half mm -hmm. perspective, you know, as much as I, there are moments where I wish I would have had the experience to work in a label. And I think that maybe change in the future, but quite honestly, I feel like I'm blessed because if I do, it kind of would have, I kind of want it to be under my terms. And yeah. That's like the cool thing, you know, too. Like, I'm not going to come in and just like be an intern. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to come in and do that. I'm like really trying to come in and make a change. And I think that's like the difference in my path is that I've been able to create something so over here that's kind of worked. So to now like be in it, we just, I don't know what that looks like now, honestly. Yeah. You know, do you, um, think, um, do you think anyone passed judgment on you because of that? Oh, yes. <laughs> girl. A lot. You think you get, it's, it's. Oh, girl, let me tell you, don't let me get that in here right now. Like we go through so much bullshit. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if I could say that here. No, 100% um, totally fine. <laughs> I think, um, you know, just being like, especially a young black female, like yeah. you gotta, you gotta like really have some like big balls and you kind of have to, you know, prove yourself. Like you have to, it's, it's one of those things where it's just like, everything is about what you've done too, right? So my track record is obviously smaller in comparison to like these bigger managers, these bigger execs, and like these people that sold millions of albums and millions of things, like that's fine. But it's just also like, I'm like the new young blood coming in. That's just like a part of this newer generation and this newer change where it's like, we have something to say too. So it's like, we should collaborate here. Um, some people welcome us with open arms. I think there's a lot of awesome like Tunji has been such like a writer for us like Interscope and RCA and like those labels have been so good to me personally um but there was also a lot of proving I had to do to them too it's like who is this girl that's gonna like oversee this and like is she a stylist like where's her work you know I also like you know what I mean like what she's done what has she done before and like I'm like at that time not much um so I just had to go in and like kill it like Figure it out. And I, I think I did a good first. Yeah, no, you're doing great. <laughs> yeah, obviously you're doing great. I think I did all right for a rookie. Um, oh, 100%. No, I and I do think it's really, you know, it's kind of funny because I don't disagree with the label way, you know? Right. Like, I am turned out a label. I still do. I'm yes. not against it. But, um, but I do think that people who really immerse themselves in what's actually going on, going to those shows and going to the studio, you know, I, I don't want to say it makes you learn faster, but I think you learn things in a way that makes you a little smarter. Yeah. That's, that's the only way I really know how to explain it, but you're really learning from like these real life experiences. And I think right. that helps you pick up on things a little bit quicker. Whereas yeah. if you're in an office, there may be less judgment passed on you based on the fact that you have some kind a of position. Yeah. 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 But something, something, I do think there is something special about doing it that way. Um, yeah. And I think you, you learn things that it would take you much longer to learn if you were to just work at a label. Yeah. I think also there is, there is one thing that I do respect about labels is like infrastructure, right? Like mm -hmm. there are all these departments, there are all these, you know, intertwining 
people that obviously help with the execution of these projects. And I think learning that system is also just as important as it is to be grassroots. Because yeah. it's like, as much as it's cool to be in the trenches and like be on the tour, it's like, it's also cool to understand how the label is getting, you know, returns and royalties and figuring out how si like signings and budgets and like, how does the marketing work with the digital department? Like, I think those are like super important. And I think that's, the, that is one thing I feel like I just had to learn just by getting thrown into it. Um, yeah. But it would have been cool to also learn the back end just to even see that infrastructure. Cause I mean, you know, they're, they're what run things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, constantly people have judgment on you and you really have to overcome that. Absolutely. So how do you think as a black woman, you get your voice heard in the music industry? Hmm. Doing the work. Just doing it. Yeah. Doing the good work. Um, being behind and, and, developing things that are a not only passion projects but things that also like work mm -hmm. um, I, I think one thing that like makes um the roster that like natalie and i have special is like we're passionate about them um and they're our friends you know <laughs> i think a lot of times like when i think about like what makes us unique is like just the the taste like everyone has their music is subjective yeah i think um when I, I don't know. I think what makes us unique is just like we work with what we like, and yeah. it just works. And it, it, I guess it just comes out like we obviously love Lucky, and it, like you see it, it's like he looks nice, he performs well. Like yeah. you know, there's a lot of love around Lucky, so I think that's what makes things work. And so yeah, I think um, the work is everything, though. Like just showing up and and being on the ground and like moving around and having good ideas and executing ideas. And, you know, I think that's what makes you a power player is like being able to like take visions and like really put them out there for the world and like the world like it. Yeah. Do you think there was ever a milestone in your career when you really looked at it and you were like, wow, I can't believe this is happening. What was my, wow, I can't believe this is happening moment. <laughs> I've had a couple of wow, I can't believe this is happening moments. What do you what do you think was or tell me all of them or what your biggest one, whatever you want to say. One of my biggest ones was that will tell you too. I think one time we woke up and like Ari and Lucky were just in our living room, which is pretty cool. Um like Ari was just chilling and Lucky was just hanging. I'm like, dang, we're really a part of some cool shit. Yeah. Um the shows, I love, I mean, the shows are everything. Like right. seeing fans like react and like girls cry like that's awesome that's, um, that's awesome yeah I think also like when music videos come out for me those are like big moments because it's mm -hmm. like wow like people are seeing you're really you're also you know you can look at the comments you can see people are so invested in this yeah they like it when you're working with someone you don't I mean it's not like you don't realize but it's like that that kind of wow factor, you you start to forget about it a little bit. Yeah. You're like, oh, these are people, but then you see all these fans so invested. Yeah. And you've really helped to create, you know? Yeah. And it's just yeah. like, that's amazing. Yeah. I think also when I like brush shoulders with certain people or like cross paths with certain people, it's just like, wow. Like, I can't believe that. Yeah. Yeah. One time Ari and I were in London and like we met Liana Lahabes and I was like, 
you know? Like, we were freaking out. I'm just like, one time she was interviewing, like, she's on the phone with Seal. I'm like, yeah, I don't know how to pick it up. This is crazy. I don't know. Like, so looking back, how do you think your career so far has impacted your own personal growth? I feel like I'm getting stronger and stronger each day. <laughs> You're like, oh my gosh, what's the best answer I can get to this question that's like good motivational advice? Um, honestly, I've learned, I've learned how emotional I, I think I am and yeah. how passionate I can be, um, but also learning to, you know, communicate. I think really that's like the key thing in all of this is just like, just having honest conversations. Um, I think that helps like just not only me personally grow, but just like the people I'm with personally grow. And I think that helps us kind of evolve and mature. Um, but yeah, I think personally, I'm just getting to know myself um, outside of even what my job is, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and like what Paris Cole has become, I guess. I just kind of also just like do a lot of like self-reflect. I'm glad I'm doing this because this helps me even like realize like, dang, I did a lot of stuff. Yeah, you have. Yeah. You I, I really have. I mean, congratulations. I feel like a lot of time, you know, we'll talk to people like you or executives and and they'll, you know, you can just tell there's an imposter syndrome there when I'll be like, well, you know, you've accomplished so much. And they're like, I have? I've done that? Girl, <laughs> every day is imposter syndrome for me. Um, but it's, it's, yeah, it's, I really feel honored and like super thankful to even like make it this far. Cause I honestly was thinking like, did I envision this? And like, to a degree I did, but then I also didn't, like, I didn't, I didn't think everything would unfold the way it did in the amount of time either. Yeah, for sure. It's also only been like a couple of years. For sure. So leaving this whole decade behind, obviously this has been a big decade for you. So how would you summarize it for yourself? And what do you think for the new decade you want to do personally in terms of growth? These are good questions. I was not prepared. <laughs> it's okay. You can always ask if I should have sent them to you before. Sometimes people will get answered. They're like, can I please see them? And I'm like, yeah, of course. Oh, no, no. It's probably, this is probably better for me. Um, old P, old P. You know, I was just talking about like old Paris. I don't know why I'm like, like she's died but like I felt like I was super extroverted I was super like just lighthearted and bubbly and I feel like there was a point in time like this last year where I was like kind of taking myself too serious and taking everything too serious so I think like thinking about like this decade like I just kind of want to be lighter and just like let the universe like do its thing and kind of not be so hard on myself um I think that's something that I really have to work on personally. It's like I set such a high standard and a high bar that like if I don't achieve it, I won't do anything. And it's like almost crippling. Like if I don't make it, like if I'm thinking of this and I'm not and I'm here, it's like I won't even move until like I'm here. And yeah. I think that's something I'm trying to work on this year, just kind of like letting go and being more free. Um, but personally, I just want to keep inspiring people too. Like I'm really happy that people are inspired by my story because I know it's kind of unconventional I guess um I definitely was like a hustler and I think there are a lot of people that are hustling their way through this industry as well um but I, I really just try to take my time and I think that's what I want to do more this year too is like take my time and just like try stuff keep trying yeah. stuff like I always have so looking back on all of this you've climbed up the you've climbed up the ladder you've done an amazing job doing so 
most of the people who listen to our podcast are people who are recent graduates or are in college. So okay. what would your advice to them be to figure out what their passion is and where they fit? It has to be something you like. Like it has to be something that feels good. Like, and even if you don't necessarily know why or you know, the purpose, like have a real intent behind it. I think that's something like you should still explore, right? Like, I think what's made me successful or what I think, I think a part of my story that inspires people is that I just tried shit. Like I literally tried all kinds of shit. I worked in the bar and restaurants. I worked in studios. I was an assistant. I styled. Like, I think, I think that's something that like, sometimes we're scared to do too. Like sometimes mm -hmm. we just like lock ourselves in. Cause it's like, this is the goal. This is where we need to go. But I think sometimes if we just like open ourselves up to just like trying different things and exploring things that really speak to us, it just, everything works out. Cause it'll, it'll just be natural. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and I think even with like college students, like there are probably people that are in school that want to change their major. It's like, don't be scared to change your major. Mm -hmm. For but, sure. Or also don't be scared to go all the way and say you want to go to school two more times to be the, the greatest doctor that ever lived. Like, you know, yeah, it's just like making good choices. Well, that is definitely great advice. It's great advice to end on. And I want to thank you so much for doing this. You were thank you. a pleasure to have. I love hearing about how you work from the ground up. And thank you thank so you. much.